Our other Old Testament reading comes from 1 Samuel. It's the familiar story of the call of Samuel that comes from God. And this is what happens. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, Samuel, and he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. The Lord called again, Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. But he said, I did not call my son, lie down again. Now, Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel again, a third time got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. And Eli perceived that the Lord was calling. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood there, calling as before Samuel, Samuel, Samuel said, speak, your servant is listening. The word of the Lord. Join me in a prayer. We want to listen, Lord, will you speak to us? We want to hear you, Lord, will you help us do that? We want to know what it is that you are saying. Will you reveal it to us? Speak to us today. Help us in our faith. In Christ's name, amen. Has God ever bothered you? Just bugged you to no end? Has anything about God started to just poke in your side and not leave you alone? Has there ever been anything about your faith or about what you understand about who God is and promises to be that just maybe rubs you wrong or just won't let you sit still no matter how hard you want it to just go away. Some theological issue or understanding that you think you're supposed to have about God but but struggle with or a question or, or doubt even and it just doesn't leave you be. Maybe there's a Bible verse that you just assume was never put there in the first place. 
And you just wish you hadn't read that part of it. Just skipped over it altogether. Has God ever bothered you? This story, we've, we've heard it a million times. We hear it as children. The call of Samuel, we playfully call it. It's really a story about being bothered by God. That's what's happening in this story. We usually end it right where we ended it today. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And we, and we think of it fondly, which is nothing wrong with that. It's a fond story. It's a fond kind of playful conversation. And we, we, get, we read through that conversation. We say, isn't Samuel so cute? He thinks Eli's calling him, but it's really God. Look at it. He's so funny, running back and forth and never getting it right. Isn't that just so wonderful and cute? It reminds me, we say, of how God's voice is constantly calling to us, and yet we're never really ready to hear it. We don't go to all these other things, and it's really God trying to speak to us, and that's what this story reminds me of, the wonderful nature of God's constantly calling to us. And that's part of what this story does reveal to us, that God is constantly there and calling. And we are fickle and never really ready to listen. But there's more to this story than that. Just because we stopped reading where we did does not mean that God has stopped speaking. Listen to the surprising thing God tells Samuel next. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I am about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of anyone who hears it tingle. On that day I will fulfill against Eli all that I've spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and he didn't restrain them. Eli's sons were an absolute mess. Therefore I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be expiated by sacrifice or offering Forever. In other words, the house of Eli is over. What we're told next is Samuel lay there until morning. He was afraid to tell the vision to Eli. But Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, come here. What was it that the Lord told you? Don't hide it from me now. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all that God told you. So... Samuel told him everything. He had nothing from him. And then Eli said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. This story it's not a story about God giving good news to Samuel. It's a story about God telling Samuel to give bad news to Eli. As Professor Walter Brueggemann puts it, he says, The old priest is on his way out and is about to be ousted from the priesthood. That's the message. This is not 
good news. No wonder Samuel's afraid to tell him. Who would want to tell someone news like that? Who would want to be the one to tell your favorite teacher that their teaching days are over? Your favorite priest or pastor or mentor that their time is up? No one would want to carry a message like that to anyone. Rightfully, Samuel is bothered. It's no wonder that scholars talk about the voice of God as being disruptive and frustrating and bothersome as much as they do. With a story like this, how could you describe it any other way? And yet, even with all of that, what grabs my attention the most is the response that Eli actually gives. It is the Lord, he says. Let him do what seems good to him. I don't know about you, but I think I would have been a little upset. I mean, after all, people get upset when they get upsetting news. That's what we're supposed to do. That's what normal people do. They get upset when you tell them something that's upsetting. Why isn't he upset? He doesn't get angry. I wouldn't have been surprised if he had run out of the room screaming at the top of his voice in frustration right to the highest hill, clenching his fist to the heavens and saying, how dare you, sir? You know, it wouldn't have shocked me at all if Eli had began to entertain thoughts of giving up on the faith altogether, giving up on God altogether with news like that. But he doesn't. He doesn't get mad. He doesn't, he doesn't even seem the least bit disappointed. It's amazing. He seems resolved to the whole thing. How did he do it? I don't think I could have done that. What about you? reminded of a story that a pastor shared about a congregation he was serving with uh, for many years. He was one of the pastors there. And he said at the end of the service, you know, we would always have this hymn, at least at that time, we had this hymn at the end of the service where we would do that as part of the invitation to discipleship when we would invite people, anyone who wanted to join the church, become a new disciple, to come forward and and we would gather around them at that time in the service. And, and so we did that one Sunday. And, and on this particular Sunday, something surprising happened. One of our younger, most active and involved members came down the aisle during that time, during that hymn. And we all were like, well, why? You know, kind of looked at each other. Why is she going down there? She's very, very active. And she doesn't need to. And I said to myself, I was like, what is she going up there for? And I thought, maybe, well... Maybe she's wanting to recommit herself to the faith. Maybe she's, maybe that's it. Or, or it's, it's a very emotional Sunday. It's a very emotional time. Maybe she's just caught up in the emotions, caught up in the spirit of it all. Of it all. Yeah, that's it. That's why she's coming forward. And she went up. We were all ready to gather around her. And she looked at the main pastor and said, can I say something to the congregation? The pastor hesitated a minute and said, well, uh, yeah, sure, Okay. What's she going to say? She looked out at us. And with all honesty, she said to us, she said, I'm turning it in 
turning it in. And I just want you to know it's, it's not you. It's not this church. It's a wonderful church. You're beautiful people. I love you. No, she said, it's Christianity. I've tried it, given it every sincere effort. Just can't do it anymore. And she left. She left. Somehow, somewhere along the way, God began to bother her a little too much. Something about her faith, something about what she thought she was supposed to believe or do or be, something just kept getting under her skin a little too much. Maybe it was the church, even though she said it wasn't. Maybe it was some experience that just turned her south somehow and enough to where she just had to call it quits. Whatever it was, she turned in the towel that day. She left. That ever happened to you where you've been really part of something? A group or a group of people or an effort or just instrumental involved, you know, and you get to some, this point and you say to yourself, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't do it anymore and you just end it or you think about it. Has any degree of that along the, the spectrum of, of extremes of, of just a little bit to an extreme happened to you or crossed your mind in relation to your faith? Have you ever questioned it? Why you do it. Why you're part of it. Has that ever come across your mind? Something you think you're supposed to believe or be because you look at other people and, and you see what they're doing and you somehow say, I'm supposed to be like that, but I'm not. And it makes you question or it makes you wonder why you're part of this or is there any meaning in it whatsoever. You ever get to that point in your life where you doubt the things you think you're not supposed to doubt, does God ever bother you? I think each one of us at some point in our life, if we really do have this relationship that we say we have, we're going to question it. It's part of what it's about. It's part of what we're doing on this journey that sometimes it's going to feel like God's bugging us a little too much poking us in the side a little too often. How did he do it? How did Eli do it? What was it that Eli knew that we need to be reminded of when we come to a place like that. I mean, after all, he, he patiently led Samuel, mentored him, taught him, taught him to be ready to listen for when God is speaking. And what does he get for it? Bad news. News 
that would upset and bother anyone, and yet Eli keeps his cool. How does he do it? What's his secret? Could it be that he just has this ability to listen more fully and closely than most of us have and just can do that? Is that what it is? Can he just, does he just have a, a trust that's deeper than any of us seem to be able to trust? He never questions, never doubts, doesn't seem to in this story. Is it, is it that Eli, maybe his, his faith is such that any news from God, no matter what it looks like or feel like, is good news because down into the bottom of his gut, deep in the marrow of his bones, he's convinced that no matter what news it is, it has to be redemptive in some way because God is always redeeming, always lifting, always saving, always active in working out the little kinks in our world. Maybe Eli's faith is such that he can sit there for his whole life in ways that we never can. Maybe that's it. Whatever it is, I can tell you one thing. When I read this story, I want more of it. I find myself wishing that my faith were more like that. Wishing that I could trust like that. That I could be ready to listen like Eli. Don't you? Don't you sometimes wish for those things? We need to keep working on it. Let's keep working on it. Let's keep working on how we follow Jesus Christ together faithfully. Let's keep working on trusting more and doubting less. Let's keep working on being able to listen more closely to others instead of judging harshly. Let's keep working on it. You keep coming back into this place with these people and let's keep working on it. Shall we? Because I believe, I'm convinced that our world desperately needs it. Amen.